Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. David and Kay Arthur are coming to Brantford, Ontario this September. We want to invite you to join us at Central Baptist Church on September 6th and 7th for a two-day conference that you won't want to miss. David and Kay will be bringing a timely message on holding fast through suffering and trials using the book of 1 Peter. Registration is open and tickets are going fast. The cost for this conference is only $79, and with a limited number of seats available, you will want to register soon. Register online on our website or by calling our office at 877-234-2030. Has your life been changed by inductive Bible study? Why not invite someone to learn the inductive method by taking part in one of our many workshops happening across Canada? Interested in hosting a workshop in your church? Contact our events team today by emailing training at preceptministries.ca and bring the transforming power of God's Word to your community. Four years ago, we started to pray and ask God to provide a facility that would allow Precept to have larger classrooms to fill with students studying the Bible each week. In the summer of 2018, God opened the floodgates of blessing and provided Precept with a beautiful building that met all of our requirements. In February, we launched our Thrive Building Campaign to help meet the financial needs of this new building. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with us? You can find out more information about the Thrive Building Campaign, as well as watch a video tour of our new facility by visiting us online at www.preceptministries.ca slash thrive. Together, we can engage more people in relationship with God through knowing His Word. To stay up to date with everything happening at the ministry, visit us online at preceptministries.ca or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now stay tuned for episode five of the Covenant Podcast. Hello everyone, this is Mark Sheldrake with Derek K. Mink for Covenant Week 5. If you're studying along with us in the Precept Upon Precept, you're on the Week 4 homework of uh, Covenant. This is Unlocking the Truth, and uh, thank you for tuning in on the internet. Maybe you're driving on your way to work or getting ready to start your day and just listening. We appreciate you following along with us. Thank you for the encouraging emails and words and Facebook posts about what you're learning about uh, in Covenant, even uh, the other topics we've done, Derek, we're getting a lot of great feedback and uh, very encouraging to know that uh, thousands of people are listening to the podcast, which is really great. It's it's definitely uh, it's a change <laughs> from a from a pastor who's who's maybe preached to a hundred people at a time, maybe uh, to to have this kind of reach is it truly is humbling. And uh, you know, every every Monday that it's out, I go and I check the numbers and. It's almost the day it's out, there's 60, 70 people on there, and then you can also see people going back and listening to the old episodes. And uh, so I think we're really excited and we're glad to do, uh, to do this, to produce it and to have it out there for everybody. Yeah, and so being on multiple platforms as well helps in mm-hmm. SoundCloud as well as iTunes, and you can download it right into uh, your phone. And so it's really encouraging. We're almost, almost 
at our one-year anniversary yeah, of we're Unlocking there. the Truth. And uh, boy, the time has flown by. But uh, we don't want to kill all the time off talking and reminiscing about uh, the podcast itself because uh, Covenant is what we're talking about. Covenant has been such a joy for uh, both of us to study, a really eye-opening um, topic, and one that's not taught very mm-hmm. often, as we've mentioned a number of times uh, in the podcast so far. Today, uh, before I pray, the topic is the seriousness mm-hmm. of covenant, and I can't wait to talk about this uh, very topic and how serious covenant is. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for uh, this avenue of technology that has been um, designed and built for the use of furthering your kingdom, for helping us to come together over the internet to to learn from each other, to learn uh, new things and new topics and new uh, points of discussion in the focus of covenant, Lord. And we know that this is a topic that isn't taught very often in churches today. It's not talked about very much at all. And Father, we know that there is a great focus and a great desire for people to uh, study the New Testament and sometimes leaving the Old Testament behind. And Father, we know that your word is a good word and it is actually knit together so well through the 66 books of the Bible. So it's important for us to see how that all comes together into one uh, storyline, all leading to your son, Jesus Christ. So bless our conversation that we're going to have today. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. So Derek, I think it's important, um, you know, good precept people, they like to review, yeah. and they like to review a lot, but we have not talked about in a couple weeks just the whole um, idea of what covenant is. Mm-hmm. And so I thought we would go back to looking at what a covenant is and kind of at the root of its um, meaning. So why don't you refresh us on what it means to uh, be in covenant? Yeah, so at, at the simplest definition is a covenant is a solemn and a binding agreement. Um, and we see it throughout the Old Testament. Um, we see the one that God makes with, uh, with Abraham uh, where it says that he made a covenant or cut a covenant um, where there were pieces of flesh. And so part of covenant is the passing between uh, pieces of flesh, making this pledge or making this agreement. Um, and so there were all different, there were kinds of, or different kinds of covenant. You could have a covenant between God and man or a covenant between uh, two men, and we saw those uh, in Old Testament passages. Um, And so basically, it's about this agreement that you make either with God or with someone else um, that isn't just a, hey, I'll do this for you. There is is gravitas, there is weight, there is seriousness behind this agreement. The, The thing is, you know, going back to the two covenant types, you know, God and man and between man and man, we did look at Jonathan and David and the covenant that they made mm-hmm. together. Uh, if you remember through uh, our discussions that uh, Jonathan's heart was knit to David, and uh, that um, you know he had a he had a love for him, and he wanted to come into covenant with him. Uh, Jonathan's father did not have the same feelings for David. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did not like him. He actually wanted to have him killed. And we know through studying 1 Samuel that Saul is um, 
basically put into, an evil spirit is put into him, and he, he just wants David's life to come to an end. But Jonathan uh, puts, gets into covenant with David, and when he gets into covenant with David, um, he promises that he's going to protect him from Saul, and he would tell him if Saul was coming to hunt him, where he would be, and, and be able to keep him and keep him to stay safe. We also saw in that covenant that the way the covenant was kind of put together was that day, uh, Jonathan took off his robe and took off his armor, his armor and his weapons. He put the robe on to Jonathan, and that became that kind of statement that we've talked about in the past, that two become one, and, and they began to identify with each other more than they identified with, say, the family line of Saul and Jonathan. They became uh, knit together, David and Jonathan. So last week, we talked about the, um, the symbolism, Derek, and so mm-hmm. why not just kind of give a quick refresher on the symbolism of that passing of the robe as well as the weapons in the armor, what that might look like or mean for individuals. Right. So uh, the covenant between Jonathan and David um, is uh, is a picture, and it shows us sort of uh, what a covenant can be, and in, in this case, what this covenant actually was. It seems like sort of a strange thing for these two men to be doing, um, but it is it is dripping with uh, with symbolism and significance, and so the first thing that happens is that uh, Jonathan takes off his robe and gives it to David. Now this isn't just just a regular old coat that Jonathan is wearing. We have to remember that at this point he is uh, a prince of Israel. His father is the king, and so this robe is a royal robe that he is taking off and he is giving to David. And basically what he's saying is he's saying that uh, I'm giving you my identity, that when people look at you, they will know that you are in covenant with me. And so there is a sharing of identity that's going on here between Jonathan and David. Jonathan does not want to be separate, separated from uh, David. And so he gives him his robe as a way of saying that, that I give you my identity, that you can take my identity onto, uh, onto yourself. And then we have this passing of the armor and of the weapons. And um, again, this simply looks like, here, have my sword. But what Jonathan is saying is he's saying that this symbolizes um, my protection and my defense of you. And the promise that he's giving to David is that I will protect and I will defend you. And uh, we're not even out of chapter 20 before we already see Jonathan protecting and defending David from his father Saul. And so that's something that he took very seriously. And then finally, we have a belt. He gives uh, David his belt, and this is a symbol of his strength. And so he's saying that I am, I'm going to use my strength uh, to, to live up to my end of this covenant. And so what you've got then, and when we went into the New Testament, we had that um, Galatians told us to put on Christ, mm-hmm. that we then become identified with Christ as believers when that you become a part of the family of God or a child of God, the other promise that comes with that is protection, that God would go to battle for you, that the battle belongs to the Lord. And so that um, we wouldn't have to fight our own battles when we had enemies and those who oppose us because of our Christian faith, that God would take care of those people. 
And then the belt, then again, that it symbolized the strength between Jonathan and David, it also symbolized the strength of God, that we uh, would be able to do things within the power of God and that God would take control and uh, be the one that oversaw all of those things. So the symbolism is uh, phenomenal within that covenant um, between the two of them and how it relates to us as individuals. But the most important thing that we want to look at now is, is the seriousness of covenant. We've talked about in the past that covenant comes with uh, different things, that covenant comes with some signs. And you think about Noah and the sign that of the covenant was the rainbow. Uh, Abraham is who we really want to look at now. And what was the sign of the covenant between him and God? We know that God walked through the two pieces of flesh and put them in covenant. But how did Abraham so prove that he was in covenant? Mm -hmm. He did so by uh, going through the process of circumcision. And when he went through the process of circumcision and not only circumcised him himself, but also circumcised all that were in his household. And if you didn't circumcise uh, the men of the household or, and even the servants, they were cut off from the covenant. Mm -hmm. And so this shows the seriousness of covenant. Look, you don't do it, you're cut off. Yeah. So you need to do it to show that you're in covenant. Um, and so you do it. And so Jonathan, in the same way, he took off his robe and his armor and, his, and the belt and gave it all to him. And he says, this is serious. Mm -hmm. I'm putting you in this covenant and the promises that I'm going to protect you. And so we want to look quickly, Exodus chapter 4, uh, verse 24 to 26, and how um, Moses, this is down the road now, uh, but Moses um, is being confronted by God concerning the very covenant that he's a part of through um, the line of Abraham. And so uh, what does it say in Exodus 4, 24 to 26? This is always one of those stories in Scripture that uh, people like to skip or they just go, I have no idea what's going on here. But what we're seeing is um, how seriously God takes covenant. And in this case, the, the symbol of uh, circumcision within that covenant. Uh, and so in Exodus uh, chapter 4, What's happening is that Moses has left Egypt. Uh, he's gone out after he killed the Egyptian soldier, and um, he has met his, uh, his, his wife and his, his wife's family, and he's received a word from God through the burning bush to go back. And this is on their way back to Egypt. Um, they come to this lodging place. We're going to pick up Exodus uh, 4, verse 24. Now, it came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. That's God sought Moses to put Moses to death. Then Zipporah, his wife, took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet and said, You are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. That's God let Moses alone at that time when she said, You are a bridegroom of blood to me because of the circumcision. So not following through mm -hmm. on the uh, promise, yeah. you know, you have to circumcise your son within a certain number of days of his birth. And if you don't do that, you'll be cut off from mm -hmm. the covenant. And so the one condition of the covenant to so prove that you were in covenant was to be circumcised. And Moses uh, hadn't done that. And his wife got a little upset and uh, took it into her own hands and, mm -hmm. and made that covenant 
uh, take place. And I want to take us back to 1 uh, Samuel chapter 20 and, and show you how the seriousness of covenant can take place. And we go back to Jonathan and David just to show you that when you don't hold within the, within the outlines of the covenant, if you don't hold to what the covenant has been put in place, whether it be circumcision or some other form of uh, responsibility on the individual. For example, you've got to keep the law, and mm -hmm. if you don't keep the law, you're going to die. But in 1 Samuel chapter 20, the, the covenant becomes a little more serious between Jonathan and David. It's not just a conversation between the two of them anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, in verse 12 of chapter 20, it says, Then Jonathan said to David, The Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. When I have sounded out my father about this time tomorrow or the third, behold, if there is good feeling toward David, shall I not send him to you and make it known to you? If it pleases my father to do you harm, may the Lord do so to Jonathan, and more also if I do not make it known to you and send you away, that you may go to safety, and may the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. That What I love about this is Jonathan is showing the seriousness of the covenant by saying, whatever happens to you, mm -hmm. may God do that to me yeah. as well. Yeah. So now the covenant that's been made is not just between Jonathan and David. You now have a witness, and you have the greatest witness of all, which is God. God's now watching over this covenant mm -hmm. to make sure that the two of them keep the promises they've kept, and if they don't, the consequences of not keeping that covenant are very serious because it, w it could lead to Jonathan's death at yeah. the hands of God. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's imperative. And this is a really great example of uh, we can't enter into covenant lightly, uh, especially into a covenant with God. Uh, we can hide things from one another, but we certainly can't hide things from God. And what we see is this example of, uh, of Jonathan almost doubling down on his commitment to David. Um, if there was any doubt in David's mind uh, about Jonathan's commitment to the covenant, that doubt is now gone by saying, we're going to bring God into this. It's not just you and me anymore. Now, now God's a part of this covenant as well. Well, we should pause and we should bring people into our regular, um, you know, in our daily lives. Mm -hmm. let's, let's put this into a perspective here yeah. for a minute because uh, we want to have a good understanding of what it means to put God between two parties. Yeah. And so the best example that I can give you uh, is a wedding ceremony, mm -hmm. a Christian wedding ceremony, in which in my time, I have done a few, and as a part of the preparation for this podcast, I brought the book with me. You brought your, your wedding brought, book? I brought the wedding book. I had it out on my desk as I was doing a funeral uh, last week, but so I've got it in front of me. But uh, think about this, and, and if you're listening, you probably, if you were a part of a Christian marriage, mm -hmm. you can probably remember back to the day that you were married. You know, there's the, the husband at the front with his wedding party, mm -hmm. and uh, then the uh, women and the wedding party walk in, and then there's the father of the bride and the bride, and they walk down the aisle and the bride is presented by the father, and there's some questions, who's presenting, and the, yeah. you know, the answer is, you know, they're my, my and her mother, mm -hmm. or whatever, however they answer. 
and then the wedding ceremony starts. And there's this part of this commitment that they're going to make with each other. And as a pastor, when you're doing the wedding ceremony, you're saying, in the in the eyes of God mm-hmm. or in the presence of God, yeah. uh, you're making this solemn agreement and you say, I will. Mm-hmm. And so then now, wait a minute, what you've done is you've had husband and wife make a covenant together that they're going to love each other in sickness and in health, and they're going to do all of these things together that they've put together. But what they've done is their witness, one witness, is that the witness is God. Mm -hmm. And so God is now overseeing this marriage vow. And then there's also this part where it really becomes interesting and think about and then we can kind of unravel, sure. unwrap this a bit, is you've got the pastor who then points out to the congregation and mm-hmm. says to the congregation, uh, would you please stand? And so I've got, I've got the statement written here, and it's uh, what, what you would read as the pastor. It says, will all of you witnessing these promises? Mm-hmm. So go back to the definition of covenant. It's a promise or a solemn binding agreement between two people, the covenant uh, promise in marriage, um, even in the reading of the book, that you promise to live together in the covenant of marriage. Mm -hmm. And you say, I will. Then you go to the congregation and you say, with all of you witnessing these promises, do all uh, will you do all in your power to uphold and support these two persons in their marriage? And the people respond, we will. Mm -hmm. So now we look at this covenant a little bit closer. It's a covenant between husband and wife that they are going to live in the covenant of marriage as God designed Mm -hmm. in the book of Genesis for marriage. Mm -hmm. Then two, the the witness of that uh, covenant that you've made between the husband and wife is God. Yeah. And then not only is God also a witness, but all those you've invited to be a part of the wedding ceremony sitting in the congregation They've all stood up and they said they will up, make sure that they do everything possible that you, husband and wife, mm-hmm. will uphold your covenant that you have made to each other with God as the witness. That's right, yeah. Okay, so then how serious is a Christian marriage between husband and and wife. Well, it's certainly more serious than uh, than a lot of husbands and wives even think it is. Certainly more serious than just someone who shows up to someone's wedding thinks it is. Um, and and I think if you if you look at a wedding that happens within your church, um, if you're attending that wedding, if you have stood up and said that that I will do everything I can to uphold these promises, and yet you watch them get married, and then a number of year late, years later you watch that same couple get divorced. I think it's fair to ask, what did you do to help them uphold those promises? Um, because you said that you would. And uh, you're, the, the husband and wife are, are breaking a covenant that's between the two of them. They're breaking a covenant that's between them and God, which is uh, even more grave than just a covenant between man and, and man, but also us as, as wedding attendees uh, have a responsibility to, to that couple as well. It, it helps us to fully understand that when we have God in the middle of covenant, it, it can lead to death. Mm-hmm. You know, look at Moses. Okay, so Moses didn't fulfill the covenant 
of um, promise of circumcision. Abraham, Mm -hmm. if you didn't have people circumcised within your household, you'd be cut off. Now you have God as the witness between Jonathan and, and David. If if I don't hold up my end of the bargain, may God do to me what would happen right. to you. That there would be a. It's basically like the God. Uh, may the Lord take vengeance. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And so God is in the middle of this, and so the seriousness of marriage, and it's so sad that in, you know, 2019, that the seriousness of the marriage covenant is just not there. Yeah. We see rampant divorce mm-hmm. in our country. And, you know, you, you can't do anything about the people who are outside of God's covenant. Right. You know, the people who are not Christian, that aren't children of God, mm-hmm. that get married. But when two people within your church are ready to give up on their marriage yeah. and the world around just allows that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a responsibility there yeah. from our part because of the seriousness of what what could possibly be mm-hmm. faced. Mm-hmm. Now, there are guidelines, and this is another topic of discussion. There are guidelines in the scriptures that outline divorce. Right. And that's not what we're here to talk about no. today, but we're here to talk about the seriousness of covenant. Let's go with another example mm-hmm. of the seriousness of covenant. And let's move over into the New Testament. And 1 Corinthians uh, is the other example of the seriousness of covenant. And Paul addresses it in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians in verses 18 to 34. And so what's really the main problem? So we won't be reading all these verses, but let's just outline what the main problem is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Well, and what's happening is is Paul's writing to this church because he's hearing about some things that are going on that are are less than ideal. Uh, He's talking about um, the Lord's Supper and the state in which people are coming to the Lord's table. Um, and uh, what what we're seeing is is we can go back into Matthew and we can see you know the Lord's Supper and, and how it was instituted by Jesus Christ with his um, with his disciples. That the point of uh, the Lord's Supper was to remember uh, the death of Jesus Christ and enter into he says the covenant that is now in his blood. Um, but the Corinthian church uh, wasn't taking the Lord's Supper seriously. Uh, they were they were approaching the table, uh, but they were not going with the uh, with the reverence and the seriousness that they should have been. I remember in my church uh, many years ago, there was quite the discussion over communion mm. and who should take communion. And I remember. Uh, one of the very first times I did communion, and uh, I led the whole service. And again, from the same book, the same book. Yeah, it's still the, there, yeah. This book is phenomenal. It's the pastor's <laughs> handbook, and it has marriage, funerals, and the Lord's Supper. It has so many things in there. But in there, it tells you, and it, it, makes, it says to say the statement to the congregation that if, if you're not a child of God, then... Mm-hmm. The Lord's Supper has no meaning to you. Yeah. It it doesn't carry any weight. You're not, you don't 
really comprehend what's gone on in your yeah. life yeah. because of the, um, you don't get the cross, you mm-hmm. don't get the gospel. You're, well, you're, you're not in the covenant of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's right. So, so it, it holds no meaning for mm-hmm. you. So now you have um, this church conversation of, well, we shouldn't exclude. Mm-hmm. We should let everybody just take part in the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Like, what really? It's just remembering what Jesus has right. done. It's just, it's just a symbol. Yeah, it's just another ordinance mm-hmm. in the church. And that's one of the things that, as I studied through the entire study of covenant, it was such a fresh reminder of how things can become rote. Yeah. Just a regular part of your, say, monthly Christian walk. Yeah. That you forget the seriousness of the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. That what you are doing is you are pausing. Yeah. You know, I remember when I was a teenager, I would look at my watch and be like, oh man, we have communion this week. Yeah. You know, ah. Oh, Service is going to be an extra 15 minutes. Yeah. Oh man, deacons, hurry up! Yeah, line up and walk down to the front. You know, like you you weren't taking the (laughs) the partaking while you were thinking those thoughts. Seriously, yeah. You know, and and yet it was such a rote thing. Mm -hmm. And how many believers? Mm -hmm. How many people might be listening to this, where communion has become a rote? Yeah. Ordinance. Just some, something that you do. You've even memorized it. You know exactly what the pastor's going to say because it's the same every single time. Uh, and maybe sometimes that's on us pastors to, to try and make it so that it's, it's something that people are paying attention to. Or, or you have to set your oven timer for right. 15 minutes later because you're going to get home later. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever the case may be, that it's lost its meaning. Mm-hmm. And I know that when I studied through Covenant, I was just reinvigorating mm-hmm. and brought alive with the Lord's Supper. Yeah. And just being reminded of, do you know what we're doing here? Mm-hmm. We are stopping to remember that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and yeah. the Word became flesh, that Jesus left heaven, Mm -hmm. came to earth, and when he came to earth, he lived, Mm -hmm. and he did ministry, but then he was put on the cross, he was crucified because he was perfect. Mm -hmm. He was crucified because he was the perfect lamb for the sins of the world. He was buried, and then he resurrected on the third day. And what are we remembering? We're remembering that Jesus defeated sin. Mm-hmm. And what did he do it for? You. Yeah. So when you stop and you pause and you think about that, that what you're remembering is that ultimate sacrifice, it should change the way you take the seriousness of the Lord's Supper. Yeah, it's, it's a reminder of the covenant that we are in with God when God says, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to be the one who's going to come. I'm going to take this in. I'm going to do it all. And, and, and that's what we're told to do, to do this, to remember what was done for us. And I think we, we do this. Um, it's not that it's hard for us to do. 
there are other ceremonies that, that we take part in where we remember things that, that happened in the past. There are, are even times in our own, like when we celebrate our, an anniversary, we stop, we do something different. We take some time to remember, you know, my wife and I'll sit back and go, wow, it's been how many years? And, you know, you know where has God brought us in, in those times? And I think that if we're coming to the table without realizing, without remembering, taking it as an opportunity to remember what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ, if we're coming with sin in our heart that we know is, that we are unrepentant of, um, Paul says that people are getting sick, people are getting ill, uh, that people are, are, are weak and even, uh, even sleeping, dying, because they are coming to the table uh, in an unworthy manner. We need to be so careful that um, we need to remember how important uh, every single covenant between God and his people are, especially the one that we're a part of. It's also an important point to make here that people might say, well, we're in grace. We can just, you know, do the things that we need to do because we're not going to face judgment for our behavior. That's not true. Mm -hmm. The judgment of God can still come down on the believers, but it is not the same as the condemnation of the world. It's not the same where uh, the same type of judgment. And so yet another topic for another day. Mm -hmm. But there's one thing that we want to cover before we wrap up today. And I've used this analogy a number of times, whether it be in this podcast or another podcast. But uh, the one thing is that my son, and I've used this in training workshops, my our family, we should have um, a like direct line with the Heinz Ketchup Company. Yeah. Like we should just have a pipe that goes from the factory into our house. Like a tap. A tap, yeah, that just like, we go through so much ketchup. But ketchup um, is made from a tomato. Mm -hmm. And so the analogy that I've given in workshops a number of times is that um, the product that you need to make ketchup is a tomato. So a byproduct of the tomato is ketchup. And so what we're learning in the scriptures here is that uh, we need faith. Mm -hmm. We have to believe in God, yeah. his promises that come from his word. The byproduct, just like the tomato and the ketchup, the mm -hmm. byproduct of faith in Jesus Christ is obedience. Mm -hmm. So when we get into covenant, and we get into covenant with Jesus Christ in the new covenant, then by faith, we believe that Jesus died, buried, and resurrected, and the promises of salvation mm -hmm. that we have in eternal life. We have to hold on to those promises. But, we, but the byproduct of that faith that we have is that we've got to be obedient mm -hmm. to whatever the covenant may lay out, yeah. which could be, bringing glory and honor to God in our life, mm -hmm. being light in a very dark place, making disciples, you know, as the Great Commission says, love. Mm -hmm. We have a podcast, and you can go onto our website, and you can see uh, 1 John. You could study through the book of 1 John and see some of the highlights 
of what it means to be in covenant with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Simply by marking the word no, you could draw a K over the word no and list everything out. And you would see the byproduct of obedience for the Christian. And we know that one, and we had hard conversations on that, is love. Mm -hmm. So you need to love as a part of that covenant. That's right. So obedience is very important. And we'll look look at um, Acts chapter 6, verse 7, and uh, we'll see what what, uh, the author of Acts has to tell us in Acts uh, chapter 6, verse 7, regarding faith and obedience. He says, The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. So there's this connection of obedience and of faith. And it's talked about the same way in Romans, that uh, with faith and belief mm-hmm. comes obedience. And so uh, why don't you look up, Derek, Hebrews chapter 3, uh, verses 18 and 19, and Let's get the opposite of that. What is the opposite of faith and obedience? Yeah, so Hebrews 3.18 says, And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who are disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Uh, And so we're we're talking here about, uh, Hebrews calls it rest. Uh, He can be talking about uh, the eternity of salvation and uh, what the author is trying to warn against is being disobedient and missing out on what it is that God has in store for us, that it is already given to us, but if we are disobedient, if we, uh, are, if we do not believe uh, and our life does not reflect that of someone who has faith, then we can miss out on what it is that God has in store for us. Right. The, the contrast, again, is... And the connecting words are, if you live in unbelief, mm-hmm. you're disobedient. You'll, you'll live a life of disobedience. And so uh, obedience is uh, evidence that we have a true faith. Yeah. And so how serious is covenant? What's our responsibility in the covenant? Our responsibility is simply this. Be obedient Mm -hmm. to the commands of Jesus and so prove our faith. We don't receive salvation by our works, Mm -hmm. but we prove our salvation by our works. Covenant is a serious, serious thing. I wouldn't want to be on the end, and I probably am all the time, of breaking covenant. Mm -hmm. But I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that he has taken my sins as far as the east is from the west. Mm-hmm. And now it's my job to live in obedience. Yeah. It's your job listening on here to live in obedience to the faith. Live out the faith that you profess with your mouth. Mm-hmm. Don't let it just be verbal, but let it be in your actions as well. Great to be with you again this week. We'll see you again in a few weeks, and we can't wait to break down lesson uh, in week number six. Blessings upon you, and Derek, why don't you close in prayer? Gracious God, we are again thankful for your word, uh, that we have it at our fingertips, that it is here for us to learn, to study, for us to know. 
uh, especially a study like this that, that, uh, that brings together uh, the entirety of Scripture, that we can see that this isn't just a collection of writings, uh, but this is a story that you are telling um, that is complete from beginning to end, uh, and it shows us who you are and how much you love us uh, and what you have done in order to show us that love. And Father, I pray that uh, as we think about what it is that we have studied this week, we think about our responsibility to the covenant that we have with you, that we'll, that we'll understand that we are to believe, uh, but also to live the life of a believer, uh, to be obedient to the commands that you have placed and the calling that you have given us as disciples. So Father, I pray um, that you will keep that in our mind and you will be with us as we, uh, as we live this life of covenant. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.